What's up, family? Welcome back to the Stop Sinking Show, where we go from struggle to flow. There are so many directions I can go to talk about charlatans, grifters, con artists, and how they deceive us. What I'll do is try and focus on a few of the tactics that they use and a few of the vulnerabilities that we have in our thinking that lends to their tactics actually working on us. And since the world is seeing one of the greatest financial frauds of all time unfold in front of us right now, it's like a movie, I thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the ways it relates to the type of things that I talk about, like the psychology behind everything, behind fraud in general, or being duped by people, and why it happens. Since the beginning of time, there have been charlatans, people who pretended to be skillful or possessed some knowledge that temporarily elevated them to higher than the earned ranks that they should have. So they elevated them to higher unearned ranks. During a certain period of most of the lives of charlatans, they experienced the heights of fame, notoriety, and many people would be envious of their achievements. But like Nassim Talib says and tells a story about Nero and passes on Solon's warning, it ain't over until the final analysis. And most of these people fall as fast on their face as they climbed. Telling lies, deceit, is something that is exposed eventually. So being a con is a short-term play. And in today's day and age where everyone is connected online, it's not like you can just up and move to another town and continue your scam. So I wouldn't advise living this life unless you're dumb or have a terminal illness and won't be around long anyway and don't care about bad karma. Anyway, what exactly do these people deploy and why does it work? Let's keep these two people in mind while discussing these tactics. Sam Bankman-Fried with FTX and Liverking. And what do they have in common? The first successful tactic deployed by someone looking to deceive is that they will work hard to elevate themselves in the eyes of others through their virtues. They will try to seem good, better than others, and begin by trying to set themselves apart from the crowd in any possible way that they can by calling out an opposing force. And those two tactics play perfectly into the hands of our tendencies because most of us break down the world or try to break down the world monochromatically in neat little boxes. Black and white thinking, good versus bad, good versus evil. And not only do we oversimplify things into these buckets, the danger is magnified because once we have decided that something is good, we think it is all good and turn a blind eye to the possibilities of bad. Once we have decided that something is all good, we lose the nuance. We take the few ways the person has shown themselves to be good, and now we are set up to be completely and utterly disappointed if shown otherwise by that person. This is how someone who tries to signal their virtues as good gains more power than they should because their initial displays of good plays right into the hands of our need to believe and break down everything into good or bad. Secondly, 
we are easily manipulated by us versus them dynamics. And these charlatans know it. When someone comes out and exclaims to be on our side and attack what becomes a common enemy, we fall right into their trap and into their arms and into their team and we join them in support against our common opposition. Again, in our lost nuance, in our unwillingness to see details, as we paint a broad brushstroke over our side to be good, we do the same for what is against us. Them or they are bad. You agree or you are on my side. Oh, you're leading the charge and are unafraid to speak against them? You are our hero. So now, not only is the charlatan good, they are also on our side and quickly elevating to the status of hero in our eyes. All because of a few snapshots of them that have been revealed. And again, our tendency to look at people like heroes and submit to their mastery, we further lose our sovereignty in seeing things for what they really are instead of being spoon-fed a belief. Sam came right out of the gate pretending to be the good guy, backstopping any failing exchange and quickly gained notoriety being compared to Jamie Dimon. The buck stops here. I won't let anybody fail. He positioned himself as the humble billionaire who drove a Toyota and we took him at his word. The greatest minds in finance took him at his word. The biggest celebrities, large corporations, huge institutions, all fell under the spell of this character Sam had created. His con was so well executed that almost no one ever wanted to even believe that he was a fraudster. Even up until past the moments of complete collapse, they still wanted to believe that there's no way. Again, as humans, we have this naive tendency to trust and oversimplify. It's too much cognitive load to question everything every time about a person, so we take the little that they present us and take them at their word that it is all of them. Now, in a much less publicly damaging fraud, I don't think many people were hurt, at least financially. Liver King applied some of the same tactics as in building of cults. He called his side the primals, them the subprimals. He then tied habits, behaviors, and lifestyle to his side that would deliver disproportionate and ultimately unrealistic results. While calling out the problem with society and today's current lifestyles, he directly targeted the most common health and wellness problems today by prescribing his way of life as the solution and touted his outsized results as proof, which all ended up being a complete sham. His body not achieved naturally, not by eating liver. Again, in this scenario, even though, unlike Sam, the doubt about Liver King's results was always present, most people who know and have seen people that work out, they know if they're on some kind of performance-enhancing drugs, even though we always had that doubt, we still took him at his word and elevated him to the heights of fame. His character became larger than life and quickly rose in following because a part of us wanted to believe that he knew something that we didn't which is the next vulnerability in us that he played right into, which is our desire to believe in magic, in shortcuts, in believing that there is something out there that will give us upsized results for minimal effort or simple efforts. 
and our inherent distrust with ourselves and complete willingness to hand over power to someone else who seemingly knows better than us gave him the soapbox that he needed to reach more people than he would otherwise had he not played these tricks into our soft spots. The reality is that we all have a desire to believe in something bigger than us. The problem comes when we hand over that belief to something that is only bigger in appearance and not in substance. As humans, we are set up to trust. We are set up to rely on our tribe for safety. And since we are not living in close-knit tribes like we used to, we desperately seek that tribe to align to and submit ourselves to. And once we find them, we hand over all belief, which then sets us up for disappointment. What happens after being deceived is the next most important thing for us to discuss. Because we almost assist our deceivers in their deception against us by our lower defenses and vulnerabilities as humans. We tend to know the part that we played. And after the deception has been revealed to us, we are left feeling more disappointed and broken than most other difficult events because in this one, we were complicit. We played a part in our own heartbreak. JP says, as humans, we are built for tragedy. We can handle loss, hurt, pain. What we cannot handle is malevolence, malice. From the rug being slipped from under us, we are not built for it. Because the person we are after our world shifted from beneath us is one who is less trusting of his own self. We no longer know where we stand and lose the trust in our own judgment. Which leads me to the point of me making this entire episode. Because you would think that the solution is to become totally guarded. To plug all vulnerabilities and protect yourself from future charlatans. But when you build up defenses and walls to keep out the bad, you also keep out the good. And unfortunately, we don't have enough data about anyone or anything by the time we come to these conclusions. So the solution lies within that time span. And that is to be always cautiously open and optimistic, but not out of naivete. To not be naive. You see, to function in a human society, trust will still need to be extended to each other. We cannot shelter ourselves from what possibly lurks behind the dark recesses of someone's personalities. But we also cannot assume that they are evil either. So the solution lies in the nuance. On top of addressing our black and white thinking and our need to align ourselves with those who virtue signal to be on our team, we need to proceed, but proceed with a healthy level of skepticism at all times. See, this has been difficult for me. When I was younger, I wanted to believe in the good of someone almost to the point where once I had decided that they were good, I didn't want to hear the bad about them. And that was me being naive because I knew the bubble would burst. I knew if I introduced even a bit of doubt in my psyche against that person that they would lose their status that they had with me because now I would have to question everything. So I had to put in all effort to preserve their pedestal. And that meant preserving my naivete, which I realize is the least courageous way to trust. What requires courage is to know that a snake will bite you because it is in its nature to bite you, but to save him from the fire anyway. 
it would be immoral for you to pretend in the good of that snake and to convince yourself that there is no way that the snake would bite you and to let that sentiment lead you into taking action. That is not only immoral, it takes the aspect of courage out of it completely because the story you are deceiving yourself with is not a reflection of reality that you might face and might ultimately be disappointed and hurt by. Far more advantageous it is in the forming of your character to acknowledge the snake pits and dive into them willingly, knowing the risks. To address your naive notions, to add in nuance, to see people for what they really are, not all good, not all bad, not all us, not all them, and proceed anyway. Now your defense is your courage, not a wall you cower behind after the last hurt and disappointment. You venture into the unknown knowing well the risk that you are taking and decide to take it anyway. You do not delude yourself or play a part in your own deception. And you benefit from the good in people because your defense is to proceed with courage and not have a wall. And you still limit the exposure to the turning of their fate. If there's one thing you can count on, is that many more con men will come and go. Many more charlatans will try and take over our court. It is on you to be the ruler of your domain, to be the king of your castle. And a king knows the throne is always under attack, always coveted. Protect your peace, but not at the expense of your progress. Love you, family. See you on the next show.